0: Welcome to the Talking Disney Podcast. This is so exciting today. We are doing a special bonus episode of the podcast and uh, today we are talking about the Pixar film Ratatouille and this is a special patron request uh, to be able to be on this podcast if you uh, are interested in Uh, becoming a patron and being having the chance to select your own episode of Talking Disney check out all the information in the description but today our patron Micah is here with his mom Stacy and uh, Micah and Stacy thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me
1: yeah this is gonna be a lot of fun
0: yeah we're so excited and Stanford couldn't make it today so we have my very good friend Ryan here to uh to c- come and talk about this movie thanks so much ryan for coming on
2: it's a pleasure as always rachel thank you for having me back on the hidden gems oh wait a minute that's the wrong show never <laughs> mind uh it's great to be here on talking disney
0: that's gotta right get my,
2: gotta get my names right <laughs>
0: yes hidden gems podcast is what we do every week talking disney is usually just once a month uh we've been doing a little bit more this last month or so but uh but yeah so you can have your pick a podcast if you want to become a patron but today we are talking about ratatouille and i'm really excited to do so and micah so tell us a little bit uh about why you wanted to do this film
1: well, I really like Ryan I've been watching it since I was young. So it was fun to be able to watch it again. There's a lot of fun, fun parts. And I like the food theme to it. So yeah.
0: That's great. So this is one that you've watched since you were little?
1: Uh, yeah. I'm not sure um, what age, but pro- yeah.
0: Probably was- three years mm-hmm. old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Ryan, what about you? Do you remember uh, seeing this in the theater? Or what was your experience?
2: Uh, yes, I do. This came out in, let me check my date. I believe it's 2007, 2007. Yeah. And so this was like at near the height of my Pixar fandom. It's gone through peaks and valleys, but this was at a, it was at a high point. And this was just like, this was like the perfect Pixar movie for me because it, it, it number one, it's one of my all-time favorite uh, Pixar movies. It's in my top two and i think that pixar has never truly made a bad movie Mm
3: -hmm. cars
2: 2 is debatable but outside of that like i like pixar has done nothing but just just quality stuff from day one but uh but ratatouille has always been one of my favorites because it was at the crossroads of several things and phases of my life and it just converged all into one and it's, it's, it's one of those fulcrum points that I've always, that I've always come back to. And as we'll be talking about it, I will go into further detail. Yeah.
0: yeah same for me. I, uh, you saw it in the theater in 2007 and, and it's, it's definitely, that was really peak Pixar. I think it was, I was right around uh, that time when they were just hitting everything out of the park. And, and I mean, I still, I agree with you, Ryan. I, I don't, think i would still rather watch any of their movies than almost any illumination film so (laughs) so that's just my my opinion there but i i think they haven't really made a a terrible movie um for me and so they uh they were at a really 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 rich time with uh with ratatouille and uh this was our uh their chance to get a different kind of film from brad bird i mean you think about his uh, filmography it's pretty impressive that he has everything from this to iron giant to uh ghost protocol mission impossible to uh, to the incredibles uh he has quite a variety uh, of uh of uh films uh michael have you seen any of those other have you seen where would do you rank this as far as compared to the incredibles movies and some of those other, if you've seen any of those others
1: um i remember seeing the original incredibles i'm not sure if i, I don't think i've seen the sequel yet
3: mm. um,
1: so i can't really say on that yeah hand, any of the incredibles
3: uh the first one yeah yeah I
1: haven't been watching the sequel yet so oh,
0: anyway. okay yeah what about you ryan what do you think is where this uh, fits in Brad Bird's repertoire.
2: I think this is one of Brad Bird's very best. And this is a guy who maybe with the exception of Tomorrowland has never truly like Pixar never truly made a bad movie. Uh, uh, I love both the incredible movies equally and wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the Iron Giant is one of those movies that has gotten a great reputation now but back then nobody really cared about it, but it has gotten better with age. Yeah. But where I would put it like on a personal, like Brad Bird ranking, I would, I would put it near or at the top. I would just have to, it would just have to depend on my mood, I guess. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. The the only thing I admit that I struggle with in this movie is I really do think rats are pretty gross. (laughs) When it's just Remy, I'm fine. But when there's the group rat scenes, it's a little much for me. I admit it.
2: <laughs> okay, that that I can that I can acquiesce on because I, I like when I saw some of those scenes, I was like Henry Jones from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I was like, rats, yeah, Dad, big ones. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: so gross. <laughs> uh, do you get a uh, Mike or Stacy? Do you get g- grossed out at all by the rats, or are they they you're good?
3: i don't like them at all yeah
1: (laughs) they are pretty disturbing and
3: yeah 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 i'm not even a fan of even one really (laughs) yeah uh i mean most of the time
0: and they do stop to explain why he's walking on two on just his two paws uh because most of the time that helps it kind of feel anthropomorphic enough so it's not like realistic but there are some times when i'm still a little grossed out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh but yeah so this movie it started back in 2000 with a animator named uh jan pin kava and he was the original director he ended up getting producer and a story credit he ended up getting a story credit uh on it and uh, so he was originally it was kind of his thing and then things weren't working and so brad bird was brought in in 2005 so it really didn't have very long uh to uh, to make this all to basically restart practically the whole movie and uh and that's the thing that's so interesting because people think people think that the uh um emperor's new groove or frozen or these you know these animated films that get retooled a lot people think that that's really uncommon but it's actually like not at all <laughs> it like happens all the time and this was a uh, a an example of one that got changed around a lot and uh and originally uh the uh the the plot was gonna be quite different and uh so yeah it's uh it's an interesting thing to hear about the uh the the backstory of, of how things got changed around, and you got to hand it to Brad Bird for being able to figure everything, uh, everything out and uh, be able to make it all work. Uh, yeah, he changed it so the he killed off Gusto because he was going to be a bigger part, and he gave larger roles to Skinner and Colette. It's his fault that the rats look so realistic. It's Brad Bird's
3: fault. <laughs>
0: But uh um so uh, it starts out the movie with it introduces to Gusteau and Ego and it it, it you see a, him uh coming out of the window and it says he says this is me running out of the house. And uh what do you think, Micah, about that beginning?
1: Um uh, well I thought it was um I thought it was a good start. i I think that I'm almost glad that they that they didn't start. Um with Remy, but I think that it was a fun scene to begin with between the two.
0: Now, what do you think, Ryan, about that?
1: Uh,
2: I um, I concur with Micah on that one. I think it was a it's a really really fun scene. Uh, it it gets crazy near like the end of the beginning where the old lady's got the gas mask and she's trying to like gas out Remy. I'm like, whoa, where did she find the time to buy that? <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, and she obviously doesn't care about her house very much. She's like (laughs) blowing huge holes in that, in the, in her house. Crazy woman. Yeah. Uh, And that
2: shotgun is just, is business. It's just like blowing (laughs) like holes this big. I'm like, what kind of bullets did she buy? But that's neither here nor there.
0: Yeah, I mean, what do you, what do you think, Micah, uh, about um, about that whole opening? And that that is one of the parts that grosses me out a little bit is is all the rats with the with the ceiling coming down. And there's just, I guess that's like that's like my nightmare is having a whole ceiling full of rats.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just glad there weren't snakes. Oh my gosh, because that would have just been like rats. I'm out. I'm out. I I like hey, live with the snakes.
0: Yeah. Oh what what do you think about that scene, Micah?
1: Well, it's it was one of my favorite scenes ever in Ratatouille. <laughs> um I remember um and I don't remember doing this, but apparently I did. Um apparently when all the rats came down were running all over the place, I got up and ran all over the place. I don't know why, but apparently I did. I mean it was there there were so many rats, it was like crazy. Like yeah, hundreds- there are so many. <laughs> Like I didn't I don't know. I didn't know how they even like got like I don't know, they're just like a lot of rats packed together.
2: I love how Stacy's over there like, oh yes, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> like, I had
3: a video I could show it, it, it was good. Yeah. Like
2: Vietnam era style flashbacks.
3: <laughs> this is the end my only friend. Yeah
0: yeah so they decided on Patton oswald as the voice of remy uh in one of the weird things that they just chose is that they don't have any actual french speakers in the voice cast um and they didn't have Patton oswald do any kind of affectation to his voice at all any kind of accent and uh what do you think about that micah do you think that that uh worked for his character
1: I think I think it did. Um, I don't have much to say when it comes to like uh, casting wise, but um, I think that I think that they um, did cast him good with the mm-hmm. Cast. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Do about you, Ryan? Do you think that his voice fit the character well?
1: I think
2: it did. I I think all of the voices fit their characters uh, good enough. Uh, I'm I'm not one to stress about like. Na- certain nations representing like Like other nations like I don't worry About it too much as long as I think the talent is there and I think the talent is rep- more than Represented 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 In this cast so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I, I can definitely Notice it but I guess I'm a little More lenient
0: mm-hmm. Yeah me too I mean especially when you're Dealing with uh, You know you're dealing with European And uh, similar kind of Latin-based uh, languages, as opposed to someone from the like United States pretending to be an Asian voice. I feel like that's a little more, mm, a little more questionable, a little more tricky. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, we would have in um, in Beauty and the Beast, you have Jerry Orbach playing Lumiere, so it's not like it's unheard of. Um, but I hear they're, they're not... Some of the characters do pretend to have accents. Uh, like um, you have uh, Jeanine Garofalo pretending to have to be Colette. Um, and then you have Brad Garrett who's playing Gusteau. And that's both doing accents. But that's voice work. That's what they do. Um, but I do appreciate the fact that, that with Pixar, it's always more important who's the voice as opposed to having a celebrity which is what you sometimes get with uh with DreamWorks or Illumination or some of those things um and you know Patton Oswald was pretty unknown at this point and so to get him uh because he was right for the role um I think is pretty cool as it it's important for that Pixar does that and uh but yeah it's an interesting choice I mean there's really not that many French accent characters for a movie set in paris i would say so i thought that's kind of interesting um all right so remy has a highly developed sense of smell and uh so uh, he he is helpful around the colony because he can smell the rat poisoning but other than that he kind of drives everybody crazy in his family (laughs) And, Micah, what do you think about that? Could you relate to that with Remy?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say so. Remy can definitely be a little smart aleck at, at times. Uh-huh. Um, so I would say the yeah, I would relate to that definitely.
3: Yeah,
0: I don't know. Do you have any siblings?
1: Uh, yeah, um, I have one brother, one sister. They're both older. So.
0: Okay, cool. So you can relate to a little bit to Remy and Emil.
1: As- yes. Yeah
0: brothers in the movie. Uh Ryan, you're an only child, correct? Yes. Yes. Um uh, but uh, can you relate a little bit in, to what Remy is going through being kind of different and he has this highly developed sense of smell that makes him different from the rest of the the rest of the clan, the colony?
2: Well, I was always different because up until like very recently I was like a massive introvert. Like it was very mm-hmm. difficult for me to make new friends or like put myself out there. And thanks to my YouTube channel, hashtag cheap plug, uh, I've been <laughs> able to kind of, kind of break out of my shell in there. And of course doing hidden gems with you, Rachel, and this obviously has helped a great deal, but um, I can more than relate. I can more than relate to Remy in that case. And in it's in this part, it's like a couple of my favorite lines in the movie where he's like, clean clean and then he goes cleanerific cleanerino <laughs> and then he and then he casually drops this line close to godliness and the rat looks perplexed and he's like eh and, and yeah. then Remy's like which means clean but it's just a just move along move along it's just <laughs> that that part just gets me every time and it's like it's just like three words but i mean that just speaks to the writing in this movie which is great yeah
0: yeah, I think that's the biggest strength of this movie is the writing. Uh, Stacey, what about you as a mom? Can you relate to both both what Remy's feeling and also what maybe what Remy's dad is
3: feeling? Yeah, definitely. Um, Remy wants to do what Remy wants to do, and but as a parent, you want the best for your kid, and you think you know what that is. Mm-hmm. So definitely.
0: Yeah, I can definitely relate because. I was very different from my siblings I was they were my my two my just older brother and my just younger sister were both way more sort of introverts and way more uh, kind of homebodies and I wanted to be out and I wanted to be socializing and I wanted to be I was just very very had a very different energy than both them and uh, I remember one time when I was mm, like 15 I uh 15 or 16 I <laughs> I was so frustrated with them and I said <laughs> I said that yeah he said I'm the normal one you all are the weird ones <laughs> yeah when I come home I'm the weird one and and <laughs> didn't go over very well, but it. They, I think the uh, the general sentiment was accurate. <laughs> uh, well,
2: we're, uh, well, we're all the heroes of our own story. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, so he admires humans. He says they don't just survive. They discover. They create. There's excellence and this is uh, Gusto? There's excellence all around you. You need only be aware to stop and savor it. So... That's a pretty nice definition of humans, I would say. <laughs> pretty flattering. <laughs> but uh, but what about cooking? Uh, as far as your own life, Ryan, what do you, do you have a particular dish or a particular thing that you like to cook?
2: Uh I make a pretty good pizza if I do, mm. do say so, so myself. I've tried once upon a time to make like I would pull off a recipe from like Food Network or All Recipes, and I would try and do it and. It would just come off as like half baked and stuff. But my heart my heart was always in the right place. Yeah. I was like, I'll just save that for watching Chopped and, and <laughs> Diners, Driveins and Dives and and a bunch of others.
0: My grandma used to always say when there's something like that would happen, she would be like, Just just call it something else. <laughs> just give it a new name. <laughs> oh, so, this
2: is uh yeah, unrisen bread. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's blackened chicken, I guess, you know, or whatever. <laughs> It's I do black chicken. Yeah. And, oh, by the
2: way, we're watching the Vin
1: Diesel movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, Micah, what about you? Do you like to cook?
1: Um, I like making stuff in the air fryer. Um, I don't, it's like not necessarily cooking, but you're still making food that you can eat. Um, uh
0: huh.
1: I like um, I like making popcorn shrimp, chicken nuggets, mozzarella sticks, and fries in there.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, um, we have a lot of home-cooked meals too. I guess you can explain that more, um, the meals that we have.
3: Well you, well, you know pretty well you eat them. So we, um, I've kind of gotten the habit of creating a menu for the week and so yeah, we we eat at yeah. home every day except for Fridays. Maybe we go out to eat and then mm-hmm. one day leftovers because the meals are so big that typically that there's plenty of yeah. leftovers. So yeah, we like food. Mike, yeah. Mike determines if it's a good week when he looks at the menu and says, the food's all really good food. So he said, "It's going to be a good week. We have a good yeah. week.
0: <laughs> that so, yeah. sounds good, man. That's the thing. Like, kids don't realize how good they've got it. They got someone to make them all these meals. And, and uh, you don't have that when you get older.
2: <laughs> yeah, you got to do that all yourself.
0: I know. And, and,
2: and I'm sitting here the entire time thinking to myself, how does an air fryer work? Like, that just, like, it? it it's blowing my mind right now. Like, <laughs> How does the uh, air fry something?
0: I've heard of them, but it's like a
3: kind of it, but it doesn't dry it, right? It just fries. It's 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 wonderful if you really. Yeah. I have bought so many appliances through the year, but this one is a good one, and I would really endorse it. So if it's something you're not a real into cooking, it would be a neat way to have really yeah. crisp fries and things like that. So yeah, it's a, it's a cool.
0: Appliance. I'm very, I'm I end up. Ha- cooking and kind of fits. I will have like stretches where I'm really into it and I'm making lots of stuff. And, and then I'll have times where I'm just like, Oh, because it's kind of hard cooking just for yourself, uh, as a single, uh, just because a lot of times you get sick of whatever it is that you've made. And I don't know it's just not as satisfying when it's just for one person as opposed to cooking for friends or family or whatever. And, uh, so I don't know, it's, a uh, it's it's an interesting thing and a lot of times i'll end up it's i'm my own worst enemy because i'll end up getting super into something and then i'll be like oh i don't want it anymore and i've got all the ingredients so i've got tons left over um but i do have a, fr- a pretty big freezer so that helps a little bit with that but i do i do enjoy the process of cooking i like cooking a lot better than baking um i'm more just because baking requires so much patience but um they actually worked with a lot of uh uh, they worked with a couple professional kitchens uh for the movie and uh, they actually worked with thomas keller who is the uh founder and executive chef of the of the french laundry which is like one of the most famous restaurants in if not the most famous restaurant in america the french laundry i like to go there is many thousands of dollars for one meal and uh, it's uh, kind of legendary if if you get to go to the french laundry and so anyway it, they worked with him and it was thomas keller <clears throat> thomas keller that uh, that created the ratatouille that we see in the movie later on with the sort of thin slices because typically ratatouille is is like a stew but the way they made it in the movie is kind of different and uh and so i don't know i thought that was kind of interesting that they you know they got it all the way from the french laundry <laughs> and i thought it would be fun to ask have have it either have any of you ever been to like a kind of a fancy uh dinner kind of similar to like a french french meal kind of a thing uh when ever? i
2: was um when I was in Germany about two years ago, we went to a, um, we went to this nice outdoor, uh, actually, no, it wasn't Germany, it was in Austria because we took a day trip to Austria. When we were in Austria, we went to an outdoor um, Austrian restaurant and it was among some of the fanciest food we've ever eaten. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's in that part of europe so by law you gotta have pretzels at every table and sure uh-huh. enough there were and they were delicious and uh and everybody got like this like this pork dish with like the most delicious mashed potatoes i've ever eaten personally
0: mm, that sounds yummy uh what about you Stacey or Mike? have you ever had a fancier meal
3: I don't know if Micah has, because we're really casual, the mm-hmm. um, steakhouse kind of, you know, is what we would do. Yeah. Um, I remember I took French in high school a really long time ago. And as a field trip, we got to go to a French restaurant. And I remember it being a fun experience, but it's, it's definitely too far back for me to remember the food. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I've, I mean, I don't know, I've had nicer meals here and there, but the the fanciest, uh meal i've ever had was uh the uh, one of the local uh bakeries sadly not in business anymore that i loved uh this it was called bake 360 and they had uh i had gotten to be pretty good friends with them and they had this special night where they brought in a a friend chef of theirs and you paid it was 75 dollars, which is a lot for me for especially for one meal um, but they were like, "I promise you, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be really special." And so I was like, "Okay." And I actually did a whole blog post on it, so I have the meal, and uh, it was pretty incredible. But it's, they started out with butter poached red crab, with citrus braised fennel and caviar. So that was exciting, and all these were like pretty small plates. That's the one thing about fancy food is they always end up hungry. At the end they're all so small. Um, but then they had warm ricotta, cracked pepper, speck, lambs, lettuce, and olive oil. And then a seared diver scallop with celriac puree, kumquats, and chervil oil. And then it was heirloom carrot risotto with pea shoots and espalette. And then pan roasted tres major, which is like a steak kind of. Fingerling potato confit, broccolini, and red wine demi glace, and then they had a dessert uh, which was I, I can't remember what the dessert was, but but uh, but anyway, that was a really fun experience. Everything was super fancy, and like I said, uh, oh the dessert was a chocolate cake with shortbread, raspberry sauce, and clotted cream. Mm. So that was definitely the fanciest. Uh, meal I've ever had, <laughs> and it was fun. It's definitely not how I want to eat all the time, but for a fun experience, I recommend it if you get a chance. Um, but one of the things I think that's outstanding in this movie is all of the food looks so good.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. it's like in any Studio Ghibli movie, and in Ratatouille, the food looks just it like it looks like you just want to reach through the screen and grab some of it for yourself.
0: Yeah i i agree everything like whether it's the soup or anything that they're cooking i'm just like mm. it kind of reminds me of studio Ghibli in that way whenever they have in the studio Ghibli film whenever they have food it always looks so good uh would you agree micah about the food
1: yeah it does it does look really good it looks them um, looks very rich but i could tell that it's very tasty
0: yeah and it's pretty exciting they're going to be having a new ratatouille ride at epcot uh of course everything got kind of delayed but they they're they're modeling it after the ride at uh, disneyland paris which has been very popular and uh, there's uh there uh, you actually get to you you're in the place of remy in the ride and you can do a whole ride through it uh, of in paris if you go on to youtube Um, But it looks like it's gonna be really fun. So that should be exciting. And they're opening a whole crepery to kind of go along with it at Epcot. So, um, you know, if I ever get to go out to Disney World again, um, that should be really fun. And uh, yeah, so then you have uh, he ends up getting chased off of the the colony, um, separated from his family and uh they they have uh him on, on kind of a, their water then he's on the cookbook and he's uh, goes through the sewers and through the water and the water looked really good i mean especially with 2007 uh it i thought still holds up it looks really good one of the
2: things that pixar has done really well in like their past two or three years like from uh from coco up through onward is that they've made the inanimate objects look just tremendous. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: like, like, the worlds are just so immersive. But they were planting the seeds, like you said, as far back as Ratatouille. My one kind of nitpick is the entire time I was sitting there, like, that is the most durable cookbook I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> because as someone who has dealt with textbooks, like from elementary through high school, like one rainstorm and that book is just... <laughs> it's kaput and this yeah. thing is like bopping around in in sewer water and it's like it, it's like it's like teflon and it's like uh yeah i have to say no to that one sir
0: <laughs> that's true but the, the if you look at the difference between the water in, in in the incredibles in 2004 and in the water here it looks so much better and that was always kind of an achilles heel of cgi animation is uh is water water and hair are like the two hardest things to to do in cgi animation but i think it uh, it was pretty impressive uh what do you think about that animation micah
1: um i think that um yeah the water the water looked um very good which is surprising with rats in it Um, yeah (laughs) um, that's right and i think that the cookbook is like a big um, object and this movie I think that it looks very detailed and mm-hmm. that's, God, I wish that I'm not I w- it would be cool if you can buy that cookbook um uh, but it w- yeah that would be really cool if you could
0: yeah I wonder if I somewhere in Disney World you can buy that anyone can cook uh cookbook probably maybe to go along with the new ride they'll have something like that I would bet uh so then we have uh the we do get the little explanation where he explains to emil why he is only on two paws which i appreciated that they took the time to explain that as opposed to just kind of having him walk that way that that was that was pretty clever on the part and you know just a nice little addition because that's not the way the rats walk um is uh, on to pause but it looks obviously you want that for the movie um so uh then we have he ends up talking to gusto and that becomes kind of this this side character uh in the movie uh, and that the i think that the film is pretty funny and the whole idea of gusto being well i'm just a figment of your imagination i think is pretty funny um did you like that, Micah? Did you think that was funny?
1: Yeah, I think that he, I think that he's like he's like there, but then he gives good humor uh in like different situations. So that's and I think that um I like that. I like how when Remy always gets upset, he comes out. So that's cool.
0: hmm mm-hmm. What do you think, uh Ryan, about the humor in the movie?
2: Yeah, this movie is just it's it's very funny and uh props to brad garrett for doing an excellent french accent uh you know because brad garrett has a very distinct voice he's like raymond mom said not to do that you know like you could you could pick out brad garrett's voice even if you were deaf like he has such a unique voice but in here it's like it's almost unrecognizable he is like he's like the kitchen is clear this is your chance. And that was very bad, but I'm sure everybody at home understands my point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even realize, honestly, that it was Brad Garrett until I was researching for this. And because <laughs> his regular voice is so different. So he did a great job, I think. And uh, I, I just like that whole concept. I think it's so funny. I'm just a figment of your imagination. <laughs> like, what?
2: Yeah. There's um, also. The humor also works excellently with Michael Giacchino's score. I'll touch on that yes, in a little bit a when point. we get to when Remy cooks for the first time. And then the humor, like some of the funniest scenes in the movie, at least for me, are when Colette is explaining all the, the shady histories of the chefs. And Skinner's backstory constantly changes. And we'll touch on that later. But just the mixing of Giacchino's score and just the writing is just... It's like an elegant dish in and of itself.
0: Yeah, I agree. And one of the things that they make sure to to be clear in the movie is that uh, a cook makes, a thief takes. So they 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 go to quite a bit of effort to make sure that uh, that Remy always knows that he's not stealing. That he's either, they're either eating garbage or that uh, he's making it somehow better in some way. So that kind of justifies him taking the food. Uh, but um, but that, you know, that's kind of important to the plot, especially towards the end when you get the, uh, the betrayal, at least Linguini feels betrayed because they're s- stealing is the idea, which I think is kind of an, an interesting try to kind of give some moral like, weight to the story. Uh, I thought that that was interesting that they do that and uh, I also think that Paris looks so beautiful in this movie the way and, and that's saying something because like you said Micah it's coming from the the point of view of a rat and I love the way it captures the you know the city of lights I think it looks so beautiful uh, does it make you want to go to Paris Micah?
1: Yeah I think that it would be, it would be really cool to Go to Paris. It's one of my dream places to go, and I think that um, they did a really good job of portraying the city in this movie.
3: Yeah, I have have this here. (laughs) So when he was little, and watched this all the time, anytime he would see a picture of the Eiffel Tower, he would shout out, "Ratatouille!" Oh, that's Eiffel Tower is Ratatouille.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Did you get to go to uh, Paris when you were when you were in Europe, uh, Ryan?
2: Uh no, no, we did not. It was just a strictly Germany and Austria trip. But okay. I uh but I have like a short list that I want to travel to and Paris is among one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm incredibly boring in that I want to go see the Louvre. I want to go see uh yeah. see the Arc de Triomphe, the Eiffel Tower, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and and just do like what Maggie Grace was going to do and take and just stay in museums all day. Like that's that's a wonderful day for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I'm the same. I would love to just go to all the 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 markets and the cafes and uh yeah, it sounds like live my own little Sabrina. If you ever seen that movie, <laughs> come back reborn. I've been to Europe before. The last time I've been to Europe was in 2016, I think. I went to Spain. Um but I've never been to Paris, so I would like to someday. That would be really fun. Well,
2: Rachel, uh, uh, when our podcast takes off and we go to Cannes, we'll uh, we'll make, oh, we'll make a point of going there.
0: You're not kidding. That is like my dream, uh, <laughs> and I would love to go. In I think in Paris they have uh, every year in normal years they have something called the Annecy Film Festival, which is all uh, animation uh, in in i think in paris it's in france i know for sure and that's definitely a dream of mine is to go to the annecy film festival um but uh who knows full we'll, <laughs> when will we that's, going to film festivals uh, at your, all
2: <laughs> that's your nirvana right there
0: yeah yeah so anyway he ends up at gustos and i really like that whole sequence when uh, he's getting two gustos and there's all of the various parisians that he he passes on the way with like the couple arguing and and uh, that kind of stuff i think is is funny it's like a little easter egg that you get to have and uh and then he so he ends up at gustos and he sees you see Linguini coming in and he's supposed to be just the uh janitor whatever and he has a letter from his mom that he gives to skinner and uh he starts to mess with the soup and remy's like ah what are you doing <laughs> and he ends up fixing the soup and uh, and gets the great great reviews and so that kind of gets our story going and i have to say especially now that we're starting in fall there's nothing better than like a really good bowl of soup with like some crusty bread. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm really getting hungry. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, what do you think about Linguini as a character? What do you think, Micah?
1: Um, I think that he's. I think that you can see that he's clumsy. I think that you can see that. Um, well, I think you can see that he has a lot of intelligence, and that um, he his um, character. Um, I think once Remy comes in, his character starts to develop because, you know, a lot of people would think, why would I take care of a rat, you know, and like, why would I watch over him? I think that um, Brit, having his character uh, do that makes him more likable character. So that's what I think.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you think, uh, Ryan?
2: I think I, I like his evolution across the movie because he starts off and, you know, he's, he's... I don't know how old he is in this movie. Would, would it be too much to venture that he's like in his mid-20s? Maybe late 20s?
0: Um, I always figured he was younger than that, but I, I don't think they ever say um well, how old he is.
2: I always thought he looked like in his 20s, but... Yeah, I think in his 20s, yeah. But when he starts out in the movie, he's like, like Micah said, he's incredibly clumsy. He's like falling all over himself. But by the end, he... He turns himself around and becomes a little bit refined and all the bumps and the bruises along the way. So uh, I like I like what they did with his character. And I like the fact that Brad Bird just didn't make him, oh, he fell over again, wah, wah. Like, no, they didn't do that. They actually treated him with respect. And I thought that was just, that, that was a great decision.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, some of the antics with the pulling of the hair and in like him being, I mean, especially when he's literally asleep, that's maybe <laughs> that's a lot, but I still think overall their relationship is really sweet and, and a fun friendship and uh, it works for me. And his, his relationship with Colette is really cute, I think. So I like that. And Colette, like I said, she's voiced by Janine Garofalo. Um, you know, it's, it, I think it's a kind of a fun character because you really don't have very many female characters in Pixar uh, that are have any kind of weight to the story at all and uh, here she actually does matter to the story and uh, you know with uh, her and Linguini and everything um, it's, uh, it's I like her I think she's funny and I think the whole cast in the kitchen is, is funny uh, I, I particularly like uh, the, um, uh, the 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 sous chef with the um, with the thumb <laughs> with the deadly I thumb. Killed,
2: I <laughs> killed a man with this thumb.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty good. Uh, do you have do you, Mike, do you have a favorite
1: of the people in the kitchen? Um, I think that's, cool. that's pretty funny. Um, I like her. I think that I like her. Um, I like her. I like her attitude. I think that um, it helps Linguini I think become a better person too. I think that Remy and Colette both contribute in different ways like to make Linguini a better person. So that's kind of what I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that uh, that he, that she feels sort of competitive over with Linguini, because she's had to work so much harder as a as a female chef then and here she sees this you know this guy kind of traips in with no experience and just be randomly great at it and so i think you get some interesting dynamics there um one of the interesting things is that uh remy and uh his brother emil emil is actually voiced voiced by peter Sohn. Who is uh the director of the good dinosaur he's actually an animator and uh, so it's kind of kind of interesting because you have in the um uh in the incredibles you have of course brad bird voicing edna mode so sometimes they go in-house uh for these characters which is kind of fun um so ryan what do you think of chef skinner as kind of our villain of the of the movie well, I just want to
2: give a bit of a tribute because Skinner was voiced by Ian Holm, and he passed away earlier this year. May he rest in peace. Yeah. He was, he was among other things, and he was in Aliens and then the Lord of the Rings movies, and he was he was always one of my favorites. So rest in peace to him. And he does a great job as he always does. Uh, but I, if I had to describe Skinner to somebody who had never seen this movie, I would say the napoleon complex like stuffed into a human body like yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty much that's pretty much all he does and not only that but it's also revealed that he's kind of he's kind of a scummy character like when he takes over like he really doesn't do anything new he just goes through the motions and all he really cares about is making his frozen food stuff and like and just it, it it's just i i just never i I always liked that he was voiced by Ian Holm, but in order to make me not like him, the movie did succeed.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, the, the he's under suspicion because he wants to to make uh, Gusteau, you know, selling Chinese food and uh, burritos and stuff like that. You know, he wants to kind of dilute uh, Gusteau's name But he's, he's, I think, a fun villain because he's not really, like, a villain villain. Like, most people would freak out about all these rats. (laughs) And the more, like, the more of a conspiracy theory kind of develops, the more sort of humorous he is and uh, so i think he works quite well as a as a villain character of course you have ego who's also kind of sort of a villain character in the we'll, story we'll get to him we'll yes, get to him. we will and uh so I, I think he's a lot of fun i enjoy his character in the story and of course he starts to worry that Linguini is actually gustos son so that's kind of a reveal through the story and so he uh he gets a uh, does like a dna test and uh, so he starts to get concerned about that and uh, so then we have an interesting scene between remy and his dad where he shows uh, his dad shows remy the uh, all the rat killer and in the shop and he he says this is this is who we are. This is, this is, you know, our nature and, and and Remy says we can change is also a part of nature. He says the part that we can influence and it starts where we decide. So I thought that was pretty interesting kind of layer to the story of, yes, there's certain things that are part of our nature, but then there's other stuff that we can, can that we can change as a part of our nature. Um, Mike, what did you think about that scene?
1: Um, I think that's interesting to show the relationship between Remy and his dad. I think that, um, when they get, when they get isolated, um, I think that it shows it, it, it's sad, but then again, I think that, um, I think that there's a lot of interesting lines that mean big things in this movie, and I think that that was definitely one of them. also, I had something to say about um Chef Skinner.
0: Okay, yeah, um,
1: please. He definitely got on my nerves at times, <laughs> um but I think that he kind of redeemed himself later on. But then again, like he was just kind of like a little bit too bossy. Mm-hmm. So that's what I thought of him.
0: Yeah, uh, Ryan, what do you think about that scene? It talked about nature, uh, and can you change your nature?
2: Whenever I think of that about that scene, I think of the uh, I think of the serenity prayer where it says, Oh God, grant me the wisdom to change the things I can, and I can't remember the rest, but then mm-hmm. there's another verse and then it says, And the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. And I always think of that prayer and that scene because Remy has recognized that he cannot change the fact that he is a rat, but he can change the fact that. He can become a great cook and he has the wisdom to know the difference and i know that this is getting way too nerdy for this disney podcast but uh, but it's oh it's something that i've always thought of whenever i've thought of that scene
0: yeah yeah that makes sense that's good and yeah it's an interesting thought because you know there is something to embracing who you are as a, you know by nature but there's also something about embracing change as well so i think it's kind of interesting and uh, so, yeah, he ends up getting reunited with his family, and he he says, uh, and his dad says to him, "What do you have to? What do you have more than family?" Uh, and he's kind of choosing to spend this time with Linguini as opposed to being with his family, which I think is kind of an interesting uh, thought. That you know, that obviously family is super important but it's also important that I think at a certain point uh, that you kind of form your own identity and separation from your family. And that's kind of where Remy's experiencing. Um, I think that uh, that it, that can be hard sometimes with to kind of have that like separation where you realize, oh, I'm different from my family in this way, or I think differently. And by still like respecting your family, um, because there are times when Remy kind of is a little bit rude about his family. And I think he, he learns through the course of the movie to be respectful, of to value everybody. And, uh, and so I think that's an important um, lesson that he learns. Um, I What about you, Ryan? What do you think?
2: Uh, I, agree with, uh, I agree with you, Rachel. I
1: think it's a very important lesson.
0: Yeah. Um, Micah, do you have any thoughts on that one?
1: Um, I think that it shows the um, the difference between uh, differences and similarities between a family and a passion. Um, for Remy, mm-hmm. uh, food, cooking is his passion and I think that that's explored throughout the movie and uh, helping Linguini with not only food, but also becoming more of like a little uh, character causes him to I don't know, again, like take uh, distance himself from his family and take Linguini's side over it. I think he has a good balance by the end, where all of his family are helping out with like cooking, and he is able to have a good relationship with Linguini. So I think that was it was very important to put that line in there and explore that like two sides from his mm-hmm. life.
0: Uh, yeah, I think I think so too. And uh, so you do get the pretty over the top scene where literally Linguini is asleep and uh he's uh operating uh, remy's operating him and uh and you get the conflict between him and colette and colette slaps him and but then they kiss and so that's pretty a uh, pretty fun kind of screwball comedy kind of antics going on with that uh did you like that romance ryan
2: uh, yeah i did and one of the things that nobody really talks about is the kind of slapstick nature of the movie when Remy and um, Remy and Linguini are going through, I, I'm going to call it a training montage. I'm sure it has, I'm sure it has a better name in context, but I always thought of it as a training montage when they're going through the hair pulling routine thing and they finally get like something right. And it was, it was a great moment. And so, and so side road aside, I think it was, I thought it was a very organic romance because Colette started off and I'm mad enough to admit this. Colette kind of terrified me when I was younger because she had the line of keep your station clear or I will kill you. And I'm just like. Yeah. (laughs) Remind me me not to make you mad, please. (laughs) So whenever I, whenever I wouldn't clean up after myself, my inner Colette would be like, keep your station clear or I will kill you. And so yeah, take
1: care of that
0: yeah um michael what do you think of colette do you like her
1: yeah i i, I do like her and i like her our uh, relationship with, with Linguini because colette can be pretty threatening at times throughout the movie so i think that um having that as like a fierce and then shy romance i think is pretty is pretty nice so
0: yeah and uh there starts to be kind of a rivalry between remy and colette Uh of course she doesn't know that but but he starts to feel kind of competitive of her and Liguini starts listening to her more than, uh, than he's listening to, uh, to Remy. And uh, so, you know, that creates that kind of competition and we get the point where, uh, where Linguini is taking credit in the press for everything. And uh, so you know, then there's that divide and that's when I, uh, he, he lets the rats basically like steal um, from Gusto's, and and uh, they have the the Skinner sees them, and Linguini is very upset. So you get that kind of conflict going, which I think works and drives you into the story. Uh, and this is also the first time that we get to really meet Ego, Anton Ego, and uh, voice by Peter Peter Gallagher, and i mean uh, peter, o- peter o- sorry it's voiced Tool. by he's voiced by peter o'toole and uh, so yes uh ego is a really great character and i think that uh he is key for really my love of this film i think i would just kind of like it but i love ego as a character so much and especially as a film critic you know something that i i really think about a lot is is and we'll talk about a little about Ego Speech, his review. But um uh what do you think, Ryan, about ego? He's he's an
2: awesome character. I mean Peter O'Toole was one of the greatest actors of all of all time. He was T. E. Lawrence and just he was awesome in so many movies. Yeah. And I was privileged to uh be introduced to him through this movie. And Ego's introduction may be one of the best in Pixar history because he's sitting there typing at his typewriter, and his little assistant walks in, and he is just like, "What is it, Ambrister?" And <laughs> the guy's like, um, "Gustos," and Ego's like, "Finally closing," and and Ambrister's like, "No," and he's like, "More financial trouble," and Ambrister's like, "No," and then. And then, and then Ego losing patience is like announced a new line of microwaved egg rolls. What, what spit it out. And I'm just like, he's over the top in all the right ways, but also serious in the right ways. And only Peter O'Toole could provide that.
0: Yeah. He says, if I don't like it, I won't swallow.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That, that's a wonderful line. And of course, (laughs) Ego, Ego is a part of my favorite Pixar moment, which we will more than certainly get to, yeah. I imagine, but yes, but let but
0: yes, Bianca. We'll what do you think about ego as a character?
1: Well, I really like him. Um, he starts out as like a little bit. Do you like him? Do you not? But um, then I think that um, I think that he's funny, and I think that he has one of the best lines in the entire movie. I think that it um, it shows that like he takes you know his food eating job seriously and I like that type of personality so I think that he's a good, really good character and I think that he has a lot of um, passion to him
0: yeah yes and so he's going to come and do his big review uh, but uh, they all get in uh, in fights and uh, and that's when Liguini admits about the little chef about uh, Remy and the whole uh, this whole staff leaves including colette and uh, they the that's when the rats come in and they do get cleaned in the steamer but it's still it's a lot <laughs> All these rats i mean <laughs>
2: at, at my job at my former job in a movie theater we had something very similar to what you see in the movie it's a pretty powerful cleaner but not enough to do something like that <laughs>
0: Yeah. And uh, so it's pretty gross, but whatever. You're invested enough by this time that you make it, you know, you should go with it. And uh, then we get the just great scene when uh, the, and when Ego is eating the ratatouille and it, it, it takes him right back to his childhood Uh, because they you know even Colette says oh that's a peasant dish why would you make that and uh, they they do and uh, I think that's such a good scene uh, when it's all basically kind of one it's done a sort of one take of him going back to his childhood Um, Ryan what do you think about that
2: this is my favorite scene in any Pixar movie ever like there, there are a few that are like in my top five I don't have the list ready off the top of my head, but un- among others include uh, the scene and up where uh, where where Carl is reading through the photo album and sees uh, all the okay. photos that Ellie took, and it ends with now it's time for your adventure, and then like my heart just melts every time I see that, and like there are a couple of others that I'm surely missing, but mm-hmm. this scene with Ego is my favorite Pixar scene of all time because. He takes a thing. He, he takes some of the, the ratatouille. He brings it to his mouth, and Anton eats it, and his eyes go big. And you flash back to the scene where he skinned his knee, and his mom makes him that makes him that soup, and it just it flashes him back to his childhood. His pen drops off the table, and he he is just utterly speechless. It has no dialogue. It has no grand music. It's just. It's animation at its finest, like right then and there. And, and, and there are a lot of great scenes in Pixar, but like, that's, that's the king of the mountain for me.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that is a true experience that you have and that you'll have when you get to be Micah, when you get to be an old person like myself and you have something that reminds you of your childhood, it's a powerful thing and i feel like sometimes nostalgia has gotten kind of a dirty word of oh, like you just like that because of nostalgia but uh, but when you really do kind of tap into your, your your childhood and those warm memories that it can be a powerful thing um i don't know i mean micah as a, what do you think about that whole scene and how it's done
1: um i think that um, i like seeing flashbacks i like seeing backstories even know, yeah. The main character, I think that it's important to, to show it because it makes you like the character more, it makes you understand what they've gone through, and it gives you a glimpse of their past and how their actions are controlling uh, the present. So that's what I think.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they end up showing Ego, uh, the little chef, showing him Remy, and then we get his review. And I thought, I've never done this before in talking Disney. But I thought it would be fun to actually listen to his review, because it's, re- this is my favorite part, as much as I love the flashback. As a film critic, this is something I, I really value. And so I thought it would be kind of fun to watch it together. Here we go. Let's watch it.
4: In many ways, the work of a critic is easy. We risk very little yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and their selves to our judgment. We thrive on negative criticism, which is fun to write and to read. But the bitter truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of things, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designating it so. But there are times when a critic truly risks something, and that is in the discovery and defense of the new. The world is often unkind to new talent, new creations. The new needs friends. Last night I experienced something new, an extraordinary meal from a singularly unexpected source. To say that both the meal and its maker have challenged my preconceptions about fine cooking is a gross understatement. They have rocked me to my core. In the past, I have made no secret of my disdain for Chef Gusto's famous motto, Anyone can cook. But I realize only now do I truly understand what he meant. Not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. It is difficult to imagine more humble origins than those of the genius now cooking at Gusteau's, who is, in this critic's opinion, nothing less than the finest chef in France. I will be returning to Gusteau's soon, hungry for more.
0: So you've heard that, uh, what are your thoughts, Ryan?
2: I mean, uh, yeah, that's, for a long time I used to think like movie critics were kind of like Anton Ego. I'm not ashamed to admit that, but uh, but the more I thought about it, the more it was, it, it could have been so easily turned turned into like a gross caricature of the guy who's not impressed by anything and Always looks down on the common man, and and at the same time, ego is presented as someone who was like that, but then, but then in his line when he says, "and a, t- a, a creator can come from anywhere," like he finally realizes, "oh yeah," and and it was like it was like an aha moment. And to put the period at the end of the sentence, I think that's that's the beautiful part yeah
0: yeah this is something that i always try to remember as a film critic is that even if something i don't like like they've created something what have i created nothing and so i i need to respect that and uh and you know I, i will occasionally do a rant Uh, if I feel like something is offensive for some reason or I really really dislike it but I try to keep it pretty rare because I I think that again they have created something I have not And, and so you know at the very least there's almost always something positive that you can say about a production uh almost always (laughs) sometimes some some filmmakers make it harder than others but i mean and also what a they they couldn't have designed a better way to ensure good reviews of this film is by putting this in and i love the whole idea of being in defense of the new that the new needs friends and that we as uh as critics sometimes get the opportunity to introduce uh, people to things that are different and new and that's where the job really is great is that uh, you have uh, a chance to you know when I, when I tell people about something like Your Name or uh, Wild Rose or movies that I love that they probably wouldn't have heard about aside from me uh, or obscure animation or things like that, uh, that, uh, that that's, that's where t- the job is great and exciting and and fulfilling. So I kind of I love that this whole speech for both of those things. It reminds me to stay grounded and that yes, these people maybe they made something I didn't like, but they made something. And also to be in defense of the new uh, is really important. Um Mike, what do you think about that whole scene?
1: Um I liked it. I think that um I think I've always liked narrations. So I like what they did with With this scene, I think that um I think that like you said, it's important when it comes to film critics and I wouldn't know anything about it. But um I'm glad that they took the time to put this uh to uh, bring this to life and I think that it was pretty cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a great way to to basically end the movie and they they end up the things get shut down because of the rats which makes sense and he ends up they end up doing their own new cafe which is is fun so that's that's the end of our movie i think it's really a sweet movie with with heart and a beautiful animation great voice work um you know of course won the oscar that year And uh, I, you know, I I really enjoy it. So I'm grateful that you picked it for us to review for Talking Disney. Um, And uh, so, Micah, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun.
0: Oh, good. I'm so glad you had a good time. Um, Well, Ryan, do you have any closing thoughts about this film?
1: I'd actually like to read a
2: quote from the great Roger Ebert from his review of Ratatouille because you were talking about it, Rachel, and I just had a thought and this was from his closing paragraph. And he says, every time an animated film is successful, you have to read all over again about how animation isn't just for children, but for the whole family and even for adults going on their own. And he ends it with no kidding in an exclamation point. And I think that sums up most if not all of my feelings about the success of this movie right right then and there. That and uh, and I mean, to, to go for, to take a quote from the goat, as they would say.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong there. Very good. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Micah, do you want to tell people about your channel and what you do?
1: Yeah, so uh, my channel is Libby Studio. Um, and I pretty much do all reviews, books, movies, TV shows. Um, right now I am talking, I have a podcast called Zooey Mama, which is all about Diver and Talking every book, every movie, and different questions that people ask me, and I answer them. Um, I also am talking about uh, *Riverdale* season one, which is a lot of fun. I do uh, a lot of movies, and I recently joined the Movie Nerds Club, which is with Rachel, Ryan, and a couple of their friends. And that's a lot of fun to be able to join that if you really like movies um and then recently i had an interview with rachel and ryan where we talked about our channels and we talked about the disney livex remakes and that is on my channel now you can go check that out at the studio um, overall i really do enjoy my channel and i i put a lot of work into it so i really enjoy doing the videos
0: it's awesome i'll have all of that in the description section y'all should check it out and ryan what about you
2: uh, they can find uh, everyone. Can find me on Facebook, Twitter, <clears> Throat's starting to go up, uh, and Instagram, and Letterboxd at ryancam 20. And then of course there's my YouTube channel, Ryan Cam Movie Reviews. Uh, today uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday, which means yesterday my episode of the AFI Project where I talk about the Treasure of the Sierra Madre dropped. Tomorrow is going to be my episode on Doctor Strangelove. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And the AFI project is going full steam ahead throughout the remainder of the year. I've got like 40, no, 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 like 50 something movies left to review in that series. So I've got a, I've got a lot of ground to cover there. And then for this October, I've got my big Halloween series coming out, which I'll be teasing. And uh, And so, yeah, it's a great time to go over there and subscribe.
0: Uh, Check that out again. That'll also be in the description. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews all over social media iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. I'm one of those critics that that we were talking about. Uh, And also, you can find me at the Hallmarkies podcast. We have so much fun over there. We're getting ready for Christmas, if you can believe it. Uh, It's going to be before we know it. So uh, it's going to be very busy, busy time for us. But make sure you check that out. And And again, check out the Patreon if you want to have your chance to pick a movie for uh, talking Disney or anything that you want you can by becoming a patron uh, like Micah you can come and do this and have so much fun so check all of that information uh, in the description section and uh, we also have our merch store make sure you like and subscribe to video and uh, so uh, thank you again and thank you to Stacy for for joining us and supporting Micah I think that's really awesome and uh, so thanks again and we'll talk to you all later bye everyone
1: Bye. Bye.